Cool. Hey, welcome back to the Michael Bourne Identity. This is episode three. Uh, really pumped. This is a, our next guest is someone that, that we've been Twitter friends for a, for a, a decently long time. Uh, and that's kind of the point of, of this podcast is where I get to actually have a conversation with someone that, that I like, that I admire, that, that kind of helps you get to know them a little bit better as well. Um, full name, no full name. First name, no first name. Twitter handle. How do you want to? How do you want to? Oh, be? oh, oh. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, I was slightly confused. <laughs> um, I, I don't mind. Honestly, you can, you can say George Martin, uh, Astros fans UK. Or, or the whole thing's fine. I don't, Let's no do it. All right. He is George. Uh, you know him better as Astros at Astros fans UK. Uh, the easily the most dedicated Astros fan on the planet. Like there are there are games where where I know it's a nine o'clock start in Oakland or Seattle or Anaheim. And I'm like, if I make it to the fourth inning, that's going to be a literal miracle. And and I wake up the next morning and this dude's been tweeting the whole game uh, about it. And there were times <clears throat> during the season, I didn't have the same access to watching regular season Astros games as I've had in the past, where I thought, uh, you know, this year's a weird year anyway. I'll just follow what George says uh, and, and that way I'll, I'll know what's going on. Um, how have you been? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, well, I think it's been a bit of a ride this year, to put it mildly. So uh, it's, it's been just moving day to day and just trying to, trying to keep things as uh, level-headed as we can amongst the madness, really. I mean, that goes for both the baseball season and just life in general. Uh, I hope, I hope things are, are relatively stable where you are. Oh, they're not. They're a disaster. It's, 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 it's we're just watching the world burn. Uh, and not even the world. Like, I feel like it's turned from a global pandemic into a uniquely American uh, pandemic. So um, you got, I mean, if, if, if anyone had been paying attention, uh, we could look at what was happening in England and, and in Europe and, and sort of have an idea like this mm. is what's been. And it looks, we just, as a society collectively, uh, continue to ignore uh, what was happening in the rest of the world and focus on, on what was, what was happening here. What? so I've got, I've got two questions. When, when did you know that this isn't just like a flu season? And then two, what's it like being on the other side of the Atlantic watching what we're going through right now? Well, yeah, the first question I would say, well, honestly, it was, it was that point in, the middle of March, where in, it, I think our position of complacency had been built and bolstered by previous scares, whether it was SARS, whether it was um, swine flu, and all these other various kind of um, I don't know if they if they qualified as epidemics at the time or, or what to what degree they expanded. But the um, I think we viewed it from here as oh it's just going to be another one that that comes and, and and goes but it became quite clear in the middle of march and it was rather scary because of the you know as, as scenes that reflected around the world um the shelves were clearing in supermarkets i'd never seen that before people were panic buying stuff and it was actually you know it was really quite alarming to, to go in and you were looking for i mean i was speaking as someone living in, in the first world it's a very much a first world problem so i know it's uh, it's not exactly um something just to, to sort of write tragedy about but in, in terms of going to shops and seeing things like in, in in central london things never run out i mean we're very lucky that we have we have a constant supply of that it's 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 you know it just doesn't happen and to see supermarkets where 
the sh- I, honestly, it was I, I got still got photos on my phone from back then, and it was in in March, and it was it was scary. It was you know you going out and you couldn't find things, so I had to had to kind of be creative and go to sort of shops that like foreign shops and, and places that were sort of kind of a bit off the off the radar really. But yeah, I mean that was when it really sort of sunk in that this was not an ordinary situation, and it was something which was clearly spiraling. Um, internationally and then eventually globally um and yeah just i, I think uh it's hard to make head or tail of it now i mean looking back it's it, it's, it seems like this year has gone on for at least a couple of decades i don't really know when <laughs> does it if it ever ends i mean this does it, uh, I, I don't know but yeah that, that's when for me and um so the second question was what's it like over here i would say watching watching you guys it's, it's strange because we've handled it terribly and then i look across the atlantic and think god these guys handled it even worse so it's um <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. honestly I, I i can't i can't exactly say that the uk's response has been good because whilst the the health professionals have been amazing uh like unbelievably good um all across the nhs which which is uh, for your listeners our national health service that we have here uh which we're very blessed to have uh, i know that it's a it's a it's a touchy subject in the in the US as to having healthcare in that in that way, but over here it's it's something which we truly treasure, and um, they've been fantastic. But the government very much less so. It's been garbled messages, nonsensical, arbitrary, bureaucratic stuff here, left, right, people making things up as they go along, and obviously, like yeah, people understand that this is a situation that no one's ever faced before, so it was always going to be. Um, trial and error on the greatest stage possible but they still managed to 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 handle it in a terrible terrible way um and then um yeah looking at like i said looking across the atlantic it's been scary i mean i i look at all the things obviously have a a ton of online friends which uh, i've developed over the years uh, of being an astros fan and I, I you know i've seen this stuff coming out across you know throughout throughout the year whether it's people railing at wearing masks or whether it's um, people holding parties. And, I, and I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be like the old guy sort of saying like, oh, look at these youngsters having, you know, <laughs> having, throwing, throwing parties and whatnot. It's just, it's just there's, there's a the lack of understanding from, and, and a lack of empathy for people towards others, which has really been quite shocking. And, um, and I, I, and, you know, I, I, I don't I strictly keep politics off my, off Astros Fans UK. But I, I think, you know, regardless of whether you're speaking to Americans, whether regardless of whether you're a Republican or, or a Democrat, the leadership hasn't helped. And I think that that's put it mildly, has not helped the situation. Um, and I just think over here that the, the view of it is quite clear that it's been horribly handled. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm neither, you know, I, I'm not, I, I've never lived in the US. I don't have a political affiliation over there. But in terms of strictly speaking about the way the virus has been handled, it's not been good. Um, and that's the, an enormous understatement. And, and I feel I feel sorry for, um, for everyone over there who I, I can only imagine the sort of, the sort of fear that's, that's, that's surrounded that because it, it's, it seemed like uncertainty to the nth degree. And um, that's, that's, that's the kind of view which, which I get from it. Yeah, no, that's that's a <clears throat> uncertainty is the uh, the absolute right word um, for it. All right, so let's let's move on to happier uh, topics. Mm, and I, I, yeah. I know that that you have uh, explained this a number of times on your own podcast, which is wonderful. And and Thank you. you 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 pull some some great guests. But but just for anyone that's that's sort of encountering you for the first time, 
which I don't know how that's possible uh, if you're listening to, to this podcast. But how, how did you become an Astros fan in, in London? Yeah, it's um, it's a story that I, I I do enjoy telling. I've told it a number of times, and and I'm more than happy to d- dive in there again. Um, right, I am as much as I don't like to admit it. I'm 35 now. Uh, back in '99, when I was 14, um, I played I played a lot of cricket. A uh, big cricket fan. Uh, into lots of different sports, and I happened to be up late one night on one of our network channels. Here, there was um a sort of sport sporting strand which was called live and dangerous they showed um feeds of espn broadcasts from uh, various different sports and i happened to catch i can't remember what game it was but i happened to catch a baseball game uh and i was just fascinated obviously having a cricket background to, to, to try and find out a bit more about this this sport that i had no connection with whatsoever um that must have been about august of that year so the season would have been sort of coming towards towards uh, the end of the regular season and I didn't have any affiliation got no relatives in the US um, had no connection at all so I, I had a completely clean slate in terms of supporting a team and I, I knew I had to support a team if I was going to get into the sport properly because it, you can't you can't watch a sport and not have a team it just just it doesn't right. for me it doesn't work I mean so uh, yeah I, I was I enjoyed watching watching the Astros and one of the main reason I enjoyed watching the Astros was actually Mike Hampton. I love watching him pitch and I love the fact that he could also hit as well. So again, from a, from a cricketing background, whilst you guys would call that a, a two-way player, we call that in cricket an all-rounder, someone who can do both things, either bowling and batting or in, in baseball, obviously pitching and hitting. Um, so yeah, so I made the decision. I, I didn't want to, didn't want to go the sort of bandwagon glory hunting route of, of supporting someone like the Yankees. Um, and I wanted it would have been really easy to do in 1999. It would have yeah, been super I mean, easy to be a Yankees fan. Yeah, I mean, they had an incredible team, and it, it would have definitely been, uh, in, you know, it would have been understandable. But no, I, I decided that I wanted to go for a team that was good, but not great in the in a championship sense. Obviously, we had um, looking back. If I'd known a bit more about the sport, I might not, <laughs> I might not have gone for the Astros because they actually did have an incredible team. We obviously winning those three division titles in a row, um, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I was attracted to, to seeing this team who was an exciting team, obviously full of, you know, thrilling players. You had, obviously had the, the Killer Bees and you had, and like I said, you had Mike Hampton, you had Jose Lima. Um, yeah, it was it was a team which which I felt looked like it would be enjoyable to support. And obviously they never won a championship. So I think that was kind of like a, a holy grail to kind of latch onto as well. And then, of course, before the 2000 season, Mike Hampton was no longer with Strokes <laughs> and moved to the um, well, went to the went to the Mets. And uh, I had I had a real sort of crossroads moment for me where, where I had to decide: was I going to follow Mike Hampton to the Mets, or was I going to become an Astros fan? And I decided: I just thought, you know, players come and go. Um, you can't get whilst yeah, we we love our, the players that we we feel very sort of we feel very fond of. But um, you can't, you know, the, the team is always more important. So I just decided, I've, I said, I've made my decision, made my choice. Um, I'm going to be a Houston Astros fan. And, you know, here we are 20 years later and I still am. And uh, and I wouldn't change it for the world. And we're, we're all better for it, uh, for for sure. So I guess my next question, I, I've sort of alluded to it, is, you know, you're, I mean, games, a, a, a normal start time for us, like 7.05. Mm-hmm. That's one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. For, for you. Mm-hmm. a nine o'clock game is is three o'clock in the morning now to be fair i was asleep by like nine o'clock last night uh and and as a result i was awake at three o'clock in the morning 
how do you do it? Like, how do you, do you go to bed and then set an alarm and wake up? Or are you just like, can you just go, can you, can you just work on like three or four hours of sleep? Probably latter. Um, it's, it's, I think it's over the years, it's just kind of become, it's not, it can't be healthy, but it's, it's become <laughs> kind of like muscle memory. But what well, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, yeah. Generally speaking, I, 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 I'm, I'm a bit odd in the sense I, I, I don't have any sort of, um, I don't know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do anything like, like that. So I, I, I kind of feel like I'm good to go. I'm quite fresh um, most of the time when it comes to getting sh shorter sleeping hours. And they seem to just got short, shorter over the years. Um, in terms of my, my, my like routine, if you like, I, I, don't, I don't sleep before games. I, I find that um, if, I, if I go to sleep, I, I can't get up in time. So I, I can't really do that. If the, the, the sort of kryptonite one is, is as you're saying, is that the three o'clock starts, which are very, very difficult. Like even for someone who's a night owl like myself, it's very, very difficult to do those. I tend to, I, I tend to sort of start them off and then see how far I go into the game. And I, if I can make it three or four innings, it's, it's good. But then I do have, you know, I, I, some, I've had, I have, I have to admit, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to dress it up sometimes i have one i have a game where I've, I've i've kind of accidentally fallen asleep before the game woken up just during the first inning and then i'm good to go for the whole game and it's, it's very strange yeah so it's it's it's, it's um it's strange it, it, i i do love it though it's, it's kind of a, a weird it's a surreal experience um kind of having this portal to another uh, another another dimension really from from, from here which is is if, if I try to, to talk about it to the majority, the vast majority of people here, they have absolutely no idea what I'm on about, which is um, something which, as you know, uh, I'm trying to change all the time. I'm trying to expand the Astros gospel, so to speak, um, you know, to, to all areas of my life. And um, we've, we've got a great thing going here in terms of the Astros fan base, which uh, I'm continually looking to connect and develop. But yeah, I, I, I love... Um, I love following the games at the times they are. I actually find it easier from a family point of view for the late games than the day games, which you might find strange. But if I've got, um, if, I've, if, there's a, if, there's a, if there's a day game and it's starting at UK time, say seven or, or eight in the evening, it's really difficult for me to do. Obviously, got, I've got my um, my son who's just turned five last week. So uh, in terms of trying to juggle being a parent and and live tweeting Astros ball games, it's 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 quite tricky at times. <laughs> so so yeah, actually, I'm, I give give me a midnight or a one a.m. start every day of the week. I, I, I love it. So when the Yankees and Red Sox came to London, did did, did they? Did they play at Wembley? Did they build no. a new where where did they I, I can't remember where they played yeah. those games. They played those games at um the Olympic Stadium, which was which was uh constructed for the 2012 Olympics. Uh oh, it's now sense. now it's now tenanted by West Ham, uh obviously the football team. So uh that that'll be soccer for uh the, the more US football inclined listeners. But um yeah, it's it's uh it's um it was it was it was fantastic what they did with that stadium to turn it into a ballpark and um, yeah I mean it was it was such a phenomenal weekend on, I I can't really put it into words how 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 it was kind of emotional really being there for, for us as as um, British baseball fans being able to see real live Major League Baseball here in a ballpark they've been put together so lovingly obviously the dimensions were slightly unusual particularly to centre field it was it was a bit unrealistic but it. Despite the fact that there were a million runs across those two games, it wasn't because they were hit, it wasn't because they were hitting bombs every um, every other at bat. It was it was it was strange. It was um, 
the the pitchers couldn't get any kind of movement on um, anything they they were throwing, and um, it just it just felt like every inning was 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 just. I don't know if you, any of you guys watched it, but it was it was just a case of no one could get out. So the the ball was was just finding every single gap in the in the outfield, um, and it was just bizarre. Especially, the, I mean, the, both games actually, but the first game I think it finished seventeen thirteen if I remember correctly, um, and it was the for the first it was six all after the first inning, and um, it was just nuts. It was absolute mayhem, but it was um, it was it was such an enjoyable uh, weekend, and we've, it was very very re- rewarding. For all of us here, and what they did with that Olympic Stadium was was spectacular. Uh, I think it's um, Murray Cook, who's uh, the, the architect of, of of the actual interior ballpark in a box, as they say, design, which um, I think they also did in Sydney in Australia when um, they had the international games over there as well. So I remember, I vaguely remember those games. Uh, I remember there were a ton of runs scored, but I also remember, I, I think I even tweeted this out, where. You know, if, if you if, if like from the perspective of someone who's never seen baseball before and and if you're if you go to a game with someone who who knows about baseball and and the, the person who's never been before was like, so this is baseball, huh? And the, the baseball fans like, no, I've never okay. seen anything like this. Like how I mean, was there what was what was your experience with non baseball fans who either went or who watched it and. And, and sort of readjust like, like, hey, if you happen to be up at one o'clock in the morning uh, and you watch this, you're not going to see this. Like, the, you know, 17 runs, it felt like that's a week's worth of runs for the 2020 Astros. Like that's 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 how, like what was that experience like? It was interesting because I think as I, I don't know if people are aware, but I'm also part of the group um, MLB UK community, which is uh, dedicated towards trying to expand and develop the profile of, of Major League Baseball amongst the fans here. Um, but having my my MLB UK community hat on, so to speak, during the games, I was I was fascinated to see the reactions of, of people around uh, sitting around me in the stadium who were clearly had never been to baseball games before and um, and were, were there to, to try and sample the experience. And, and that you you're absolutely right. People were sort of thinking, is this is this what normally happens? And, yeah, and, and I was like, nah, this is this is this is very much not what happens. Um, uh, so yeah, it was, it was, it was, I, I would have you know, I think I would have liked to spend more time taking those types of reactions in because with it being just a single weekend of two games, it, it was, it went by in a flash and was trying to catch up with, with all the, all the actual baseball fans there as well. Uh, we were trying to juggle everything, but yeah, it, it went down like a storm. I mean, obviously the, um, the, the two games were sellouts. Uh, there were empty seats, but honestly, there were there were easily in excess of fifty thousand people at both games, which um, is absolutely fantastic. And I mean, in terms, it's it's surprising to me that Major League Baseball, after the cancellation of this year's, uh, because they were due to be back here this year for uh, the Cubs and the Cardinals, were due to play this this year in twenty twenty, but obviously due to the pandemic, didn't. They've kind of said that they are just cancelling it rather than postponing it, which I find a little odd because um, you honestly, you that weekend last year, you should have seen the lines to all the stores. It was unreal. The amount of money that must have been spent was absolutely, you know, it was, it was huge. A, a ton of cash must have got, um, must have been made by everyone uh, involved with that. It, it was it was a, a, an enormous success, uh, and I, I, I'm I'm shocked that they haven't sort of tried to. Uh, continue that with with another edition of it I, I feel like 
it would be very much in, in Major League Baseball's best interests. But um, at the same time, I'm looking at it slightly selfishly there because the the baseball fan base on the continent in terms of Europe is definitely stronger than here um, in terms of Italy and Germany. They have um, way more established fan bases than, than what we have in Britain. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm delighted that whoever does get the next round of international games in Europe will we'll have the chance to have that same weekend that we had here. But we really, we'd love to have it back. And I think that, that base, Major League Baseball risks losing those new fans that you're talking about, if um, you know, potential new fans, if they don't actually bring it back here again. Because, you know, one weekend is certainly not going to just create new fans like that. You got to have some really cool experiences from from what I remember, like you personally, rather than, than just yeah. being able to go to a um, an actual game that counted like it wasn't an exhibition game um can you talk a little bit about what that weekend was like for you some of the experiences that you got to that they sure. got to have yeah i mean we had um there was um there was a number of different events that were going that were taking place there was a really cool one um oh gosh i can it's not i've completely forgotten the name of what it was called but there was a, a like a, a little area in central london which they had dedicated um, to like hitting cages and all sorts of different um, baseball related uh, activities, uh, fun, you know, fun stuff for the families, um, merchandise stores, sort of ballpark food. It was really cool. Um, I wish I could remember the name of it for uh, London Yards. That's it. Yeah, it was called London Yards. And um, it was it was very professionally put together. Um, I, I love the kind of atmosphere that they created. It helped that the weather was great, but um, it was it was really, really enjoyable. And I, I kind of felt like this is exactly how Major League Baseball should be trying to get people on board here because it was um, a, a really entertaining, fun, sort of um, versatile experience because you, you kind of go into it as a purely, as a sort of baseball head and enjoy it or you could go in there just with your family and chill out and enjoy it. Um, yeah, I honestly, I loved it. There were, there were, I'm trying to remember the other events because there were two or three different sort of little areas and, and around the ballpark as well um it was it was just a really fun vibe and um i, I think everyone who attended absolutely loved it and it was uh, it was it was a sort of a, quite a, a sort of party atmosphere and it was um it was great to see so many fans had come over as well from the, from the states to, to 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 take in the games it was certainly not um it was certainly not limited to being fans from from the uk it were fans from everywhere who come for, for for these uh for these games and fans of all teams as well we we must have seen I think we saw I think we saw all thirty major league jerseys um, around the park. Uh, it, it was it was it was great to, to kind of see that kind of engagement and people just wanting to get a piece of it. Really, didn't you get to hang out with like Marley Rivera and did indeed and yeah. ESPN? Yeah, we um we well yeah in terms of our MLB UK community side of things, yeah we we um we were very lucky. We we had uh, interviews. In the meet, in the lead up with um, I think Anthony Castrovinci, we had uh, obviously stuff with um, Craig Calcaterra. We had and we met up with um, with Marley Rivera um, and, and and others, yeah, and others from the from the scene as well that were covering the game for the for the Yankees. Um, Meredith Marikovic, I think I'm saying that right. Um, yeah, I mean it was it was it was it was surreal, really, just getting the chance to to talk baseball with figures who have you know been been covering the game for so long and especially with Marley Rivera what a what a you know she is a really really cool cat to, to just sort of talk baseball with talk experiences with 
Um, a lot of great stories about Carlos Beltran and others as well that's from over the years because uh, we, we obviously we, we sort of talked about all sorts of baseball things when we um, we had a, a chance to spend an evening talking with her I think on the Wednesday before the game yeah it was, uh, it, was it was something which I don't take for granted and I think um, we're very lucky to, to have that and I'm always looking to to expand and get new connections. That's why one of the reasons why I was um, so disappointed that the Cubs-Cardinals game couldn't go ahead because I was looking forward to try, sort of trying to make similar connections before before that series. And um, whichever teams, uh, hopefully we, we do get another shot um, here. And obviously I'd love the Astros to come, but if it wasn't the Astros, whoever it is, um, yeah, I, I love sort of establishing those roots with, with, with people here. That are that, that cover the game for a living and 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 kind of have that um, that, that knowledge base and the the, the stories and, and everything that goes with it. It's um it's really cool and and, and yeah, Marley Rivera was was she, she was fantastic. Managed to open some seriously good doors for us. I mean, uh, obviously on us the scene here we have um, a UK kind of Twitter account, unofficial Twitter account for all thirty teams. Um, my friend Jack, who does the um, UK Yankees, yeah, she managed to get him like a shout out from um, Brian Cashman. So it was, it was, it was, it was, it was crazy. She was, she was just like able to open these doors that have been locked for for, for us completely, and and just open them within like a few hours of us meeting her. So it was, it was, it was, it was spectacular, man. That's really cool. Um, yeah, and I hope y'all get to, I hope y'all get to experience that uh, again. Um, okay, to to our preferred team. Uh, mm-hmm. Before I talk crap about Frank Lampard, uh, <laughs> um, the uh, okay. So I'm gonna run, and when we this this podcast runs very similarly to Lima Time Time, where mm-hmm. where I don't spend a ton of time planning uh, for it, and and I also don't coordinate with you. So I'm gonna ask you these questions cold, and you cool. have to you have to give me your <clears throat> your opinion, your answer. Sure. Um, what was you? What do you think was the better team? Since this fits within your your fandom timeline, mm-hmm. the two thousand four team or the two thousand five team? Uh, I think two thousand four edge it, and um, it, it's it's tough because I think that uh, I you know I think that the two thousand five World Series wasn't a fair reflection in terms of being a sweep. It was such a tightly fought series every yes. each of the four games. I, I think the the 2000, 2014 was was slightly better. Obviously, the, the Carlos Beltran in his absolute prime angle um, was missing from two thousand and five, and I think that yeah, I mean, people look at the Pujols homer and and how that changed the rotation for the for the for the World Series. I, I don't know. It, it's, it's it's all ifs and buts, but I, th- I think I'd slightly edge it to two thousand and four. I think if if Andy Pettit is healthy in two thousand and four. That is an extremely different outcome. I think he got shut down in like August uh, with with some shoulder issues, but I I 100% agree. I think I think the 2004 team was better than the 2005 team. However, I don't think anyone was stopping the Red Sox in 2004 having come yeah, back from, destiny, yeah, yeah. from what they it was did. Destiny. So uh, and and everyone would have hated the Astros way more. Uh, if they they beaten the Red Sox in the 2004 World Series after uh, than than they oh, are, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Okay, so so we're we're on the same page with with 2000 with 2004, mm-hmm. uh, 2017 or 2019 Astros. Which team is better? 2019 is not even close. It's not even close. It is not will, even close. I will. At, at, at <laughs> some point, I'm go- at some point, I'm going to die. 
and I am going to stand before God and, and I am going to ask him, why didn't the 2019 Astros win the world series? And if I do not get a satisfactory answer and, and God could tell God himself could tell me, dude, it was karma uh, for what happened in 2017. And, and, and I would, I would kind of get that, but if I don't get a satisfactory answer, I will walk backwards into hell. Like I, I do not understand how, how they couldn't take down the nationals in 2019. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, you look at the team, you look, and there's no weaknesses. There's 2017, Nine. the bullpen was kind of kind of sucked in, in, in October, so you can understand it. But like, t- 2019, that team was perfect. That team was absolutely perfect. At home, was it 60? I think it was 60 and, um, and 21 at home in the regular season. Unreal. To, to lose those four games at home, I will never understand it, and I will never accept it either. Uh, it just, just doesn't make any sense on any level to me, and... Um, yeah, it's always going to hurt. It's always going to hurt because that team, I love that team so much. Um, they were a joy to watch from start to finish, uh, aside from the, the last three innings of, of that season. And, um, <laughs> and honestly, I, 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 I feel a sense of actual pain that, that they didn't get that coronation that they deserved because if they had one, you, got, you, you have to remember that if we win that series, if we win that, if we hold on for those last three innings, that team doesn't just win a championship. That goes down as one of the greatest teams in the history of baseball, without question. Yes. There's, no, there's not even a, there's not even a debate in my mind that is in that team is in the it's in the argument. You, you, you know, people always say, "Oh, this team's better than that team." But in terms of the greatest of all time discussion, if they close that out, they're there, and it's and that's and, and now they don't even get remembered. It's ridiculous. So yeah, yeah, that's the no. I'm mad now. I'm mad <clears throat> like all over again because uh, yeah. that's that's exactly right. Uh, do you, what, where do you see, and Houston is an acceptable answer. Mm-hmm. Where do you see George Springer playing in 2021? Mets. The Mets. I see. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's going to be the Mets or the Red Sox. Yeah. I think, um, I think there's, that's the only two options that really look realistic. I'd love to sit here and say, yeah, he's definitely coming back to the Astros, but I think there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that suggests that's going to be the case. Unfortunately, I hate to say it. Well, everything, you know, and, and I don't, I don't have a ton of sources. Like that's not really been my mm-hmm. thing to cultivate information. And, and there's been a couple of instances where I've had the opportunity to kind of quote unquote break some news, but it's, it's nothing of consequence and it's nothing that I'm really after, but everyone that I've, that I've talked to that has some semblance of knowledge says the dude just wants to go home. Like he's got a, his wife mm-hmm. is pregnant. He's from mm-hmm. Connecticut. He, he just wants to play closer to home. And, you know, I, I sort of grew up in Houston. I, and, and I'll go back and see my, my mom or my dad and I'll, and I'll, it'll be in the summer and I'll, and I'll walk outside and think how in the world did I ever live there? Like it's so hot. Like it's, it's just not, and it's a, I still live in, I live in Texas and it's a just different, like, and I walk out, you don't even want to be outside. Like I can't imagine like you're a new England kid. You mm-hmm. went, you know, you grew up in Connecticut, you went to UConn and, and suddenly you find yourself playing in, in like Corpus and Houston. And, and that, that, like I said, I, and my, my wife spent almost her entire life uh, in Houston and, and she straight up refuses to move back. Like there's, she's like, it's, it's miserable, like eight months out of the year. Like, I, I can't imagine what it's like to, to be from, and I've gone the other way. Mm. Like I grew up in, in Houston and I've lived in, in 
sort of the Northeast and, and it's a totally different, like I'll never ever, you know, live there again, because as much as I'd love to live in New York city, like it's the summers up there were, were gorgeous. It was the other 49 weeks of the year that absolutely sucked. Um, so I just don't, I just don't understand. And, and you can be adored and I've seen, you know, sort of writers laying the groundwork for, for a Springer exit in terms of just kind of wanting to move on from everything that has happened over the last year and what broke about two, about 2017. But the whole, like, I just want to be closer to my family. Like that, that's, that's as strong of, of a pull as, as any. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's, yeah, I, I, I could definitely see him going, going to the Red Sox. I don't know financially whether it's something that they can accommodate at this moment. I think in terms of, where the Red Sox are as a baseball team, which is coming off a really ropey, you know, pretty pretty damn poor 2020, um, it would be the kind of boost after losing Mookie Betts that um, that they would want to get some sort of A-list, you know, face of of the team to try and boost numbers and, and get get things going for them. But I, I don't know. I I just don't see. It. I think the timing's wrong in that sense. And I I feel like I feel like unless the money is astronomical which the Mets look more in position to do than the Red Sox. I, I can't really see, um, I can't really see Springer going there from a baseball perspective. I know that, yeah, he's going to be closer to home, but I think if he went to the Mets, it wouldn't be, it would be a lot closer to home than obviously than where he is in Houston. So um, I think, uh, I, I don't, I don't see the Red Sox being his, his um, eventual destination, despite the, the, the sort of natural, positioning of people to say yeah she would make sense it, it 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 would have made sense i just don't think the timing's right for his career i think if he goes there he's he's well i don't think he's going to achieve uh, you know i don't think he's going to be confined for, for titles let's put it that way yeah no and that may i mean that that makes perfect sense you know the the mets look like they're ready to spend some mm. a, 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 an impressive amount of money and <clears throat> you know and the the new Red Sox GM Bloom, you know, he he's coming from Tampa. And mm-hmm. and I'm curious, you know, one of the things that I've wondered about is because you know, obviously we have Click who came from yeah, Tampa. Very uh, much, yeah. Bloom, Bloom with the Red Sox, you know, that's a that's a draft and development heavy upbringing that they had in Major League Baseball. Um, you know, it may not have even occurred to them that you can spend a hundred million dollars on a free agent because that's just not what Tampa does. Like it, it may be a completely foreign concept. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I, I just don't just every indication that I have says it it's go ahead, go ahead and prepare your heart to, to see Springer in, in a different oh, uniform next year. I, I'm, 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 I'm trying to sort of give it the, the talk, like I'm ready. I'm, I'm really not ready. So when it, when it <laughs> happens, I, I, I'm not ready to see it. I, I think there was a question on the, um, timeline on Twitter yesterday saying, um, would you rather he went to an ale side so you can see him, uh, at Minute Maid Park? as a visiting player and kind of welcoming back in that sense, or would you rather he went to an NL team? So, you know, he, we never have to, to face him. I think I'm, I'm speaking as someone who doesn't, who obviously isn't going to Minute Maid Park to see Astros ball games day in, day out, but I, I, I would hate to see him play against us. Um, I hope that he never plays against us. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, um, hopefully he goes to, to the Mets, but, and, and um, yeah, that's, that's, and doesn't come back to Hornets in, some future distant October, like a Terminator future, which uh, has some dark clouds coming over in the spring and ends us in October. But yeah, that'll be that'll be uh, that'll be horrible. But um, I, I, 
obviously, I think uh, he's just one of the, he's one of one of the most likable Astros players ever. Um, yes, such a great story. Um, the whole battle to overcome his stutter and 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 the way that he's in, encouraging kids to do the same. I've got nothing but admiration for George Springer. I, I love the guy, and um, you know, I think I think if he does leave. It would take one hell of a hard-hearted Astros fan to hold any sort of ill feeling to him whatsoever. I, I think everyone will wish him well. Oh yeah, no, that this is not a a Carlos Beltran 2004 mm. offseason situation where you know yeah. we're we're arguing about state income tax and whether or not you know how how dumb is it to move to New York where they they do have one. <laughs> you know, I, I think wherever wherever Springer ends up, like he'll never have to buy a drink in Houston ever again. Mm. Um, now, do you has your opinion of Carlos Correa changed over the last year? Yes, and I am prepared to hold my hand up and say I'm very fickle <laughs> because um, <laughs> because a year ago I was starting to have doubts as to whether he was really the man that we had thought he was. But I, I, I look, people can say what they want about the scandal, and no one, no one in their right mind is trying to defend what was done. Um, but in terms of sticking up for a team that was being absolutely battered from pillar to post, pillar left, right and centre, turned into, um, strangely turned into these kind of pariahs for a game that's got a history of cheating in many different ways for well over a century. Um, but yeah, the way he stood up for the team and took that kind of responsibility both on and off the field was extraordinary and is, is, is something which... Uh, I think Jim Crane and James Click would be absolutely insane if they don't try and find a way to keep this guy at the Houston Astros beyond 2021 because because he is the man. I'm sorry, he is absolutely the man. And what he did this season as in October was the stuff which, um, well, yeah, the stuff that Legends have made of really. He, 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 he took that whole team up on his back and said, right, we're doing this. And... Um, and I think he's ready to do it again. As long as as long as he as long as he stays healthy, that's the main thing. And, and obviously, that was the major concern that we've had over the last kind of year and a half, two years with him is that can he actually avoid injuries? Um, and whilst I mean the the, the the kind of counterpoint would be was that it was only sixty games plus a postseason. So was that a, a genuine reflection of whether Correa can stay healthy? If he does, he's one of the best, one of the best out there. Um, and I think that. He, he, you know, he, he's, he's, he's someone that we should really be trying to continue building around for the next, the ne- you know, the next few years. We have to find a way to keep him at the club. Oh, especially with with the Indians apparently actively looking to trade Lindor. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if if Lindor leaves the, let's say he goes to an NL team, um, mm. I, I don't know that there's any question about Carlos Correa being the best shortstop in the American League. Yeah. Um, and the second best shortstop in the American League is Alex Bregman. So, I mean, you know, you've, you've got the foundation there. And mm. with what you're already, with what you're already not going to spend to fold in a, the last question on Springer, uh, mm. and you've got, you know, almost 60 million coming off the books with Verlander and Grinky as mm. Correa becomes a free agent. Um, I'm, I would not be shocked to see in May or June, you know, the Astros have a big press conference and announce that they've signed Correa to a, a an eight to 10 year deal. Uh, and I think it's totally justified. <laughs> and I think that the, the injuries are, are complete flukes and, and, but it took him telling, 
Cody Bellinger to, you know, shut the F up. Yeah. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I think that's where, I think that's where a lot of Astros fans are like, okay, that's, we haven't seen that from Instagram Korea. Uh, before. <laughs> and, and it was that start that kind of changed it. But I also think that he knows that, you know, obviously like he, he's online and his, you know, his, his wife is online. Like they mm-hmm. see all the, the dude just isn't like, <clears throat> he just can't stay on the field. You know, and I, I would tweet things out like, you know, he, he's played in 51% of the pre, you know, before this year, he played in like 51% of the Astros regular season games in the last two years. And I, I think, you know, I remember there was a game this season where he fouled a, a, a ball off of the inside of his foot. And, and I think that, and I remember thinking like, if that happened to me, like you would see like a ghost version of me, like just have a harp <laughs> and just fly up out of Minute Maid Park. And, and I, but he didn't, I don't think I, he might've missed a game, maybe not, but I think he knows like the, the book on him around Houston was this dude gets hurt a lot. And in a season where you saw, you know, Verlander make one start, Osuna pitched four and a third innings um, where you saw these, you know, sort of catastrophic injuries happen in the first two weeks of whatever the season was. Uh, for him to play 57, 58 of those 60 games and every game in the postseason, like I, th- that, that said a lot to me. And hmm. just the way that, you know, he calmed Framber down in the, in the playoffs. Yeah. And, yeah. Like that, that, that's a dude that you don't let a guy like that walk. And, and even, you know, when he was, when he was hurt, kind of thinking like he's been healthy way more than he's been injured. Um, you bet on the healthy player and and you get your training staff to make sure that he stays, he stays that way. Like this year, just, yeah, I'm ready to, to back up the truck for, uh, to keep Correa, you know, with Altuve and Bregman. Cause you just Definitely. don't have an opportunity at an infield like that uh, very often. Yeah. I think he's a kind of talent as well, which um, I mean, I remember after 2017 seeing a lot of people saying, Oh, well, you know, the, the people were so was kind of so high on on what Correa had done in 2015 and in 2017. Sort of saying that he was almost um, head and shoulders above. Well, that's the wrong phrase when talking about Altuve. But um, <laughs> yeah, he was he was he was, a, he was a kind of um, in terms of talent that he was you know far and away the best the best player in Astros uniform. And uh, obviously, the next kind of year or so, he had his struggles injury wise, and people like I said, people started to question it. But I think, um, yeah, he's, he, this, this is a real leader and this is, is a real kind of uh, someone who, who will be a talisman for this team uh, going forward. And let's face it, this is, going to be an, this is going to be a new and slightly daunting Astros era where we're relying on less heralded talents um, in the team. Does not to say that they are not capable. I think we saw that with players like Fran Valdez this year uh, and we saw that with, with young talents like Christian Javier and, and, and Oli Paredes that this is a team that has real potential, but without that rock to kind of build itself around, even, I mean, we saw how Altuve struggled mentally more than anything else this year. I, I think as much as I love Jose Altuve, and he's, and he's, he's kind of the um, the heart of the team, he's not he's not the kind of leader who's going to just drag this team by the bootstraps sort of through a season where they're struggling, whereas Correa is, he really is. And um, I, that, that, like I said, you, you, okay, you literally can put a price on it, but you know what I mean. In terms of that's that is a priceless commodity. In terms of if you're looking for what you want in a, a postseason 
caliber player, Correa is the guy. He's the he's that man, and 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 the attitude that he showed. He he you know he attracted a lot more hatred and attention onto himself by what he was saying, and he was like, yeah, bring it on, and he and then he delivered, and it was like, wow, okay. Everyone who was everyone who you know everyone in the in the media who was kind of throwing shade on the Astros was kind of like, wow, okay, this guy is actually backing it up. Which um, you know they, they, they were still saying what they were saying, but they they they, they kind of knew that he wasn't going to be bullied, and um, that is is something which I really admire in him. And, and yeah, if you know if the Astros have to play this whole role of the bad guy, then then yeah, cool. I mean, you, you might as well have someone who can take that mantle on and 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 just kind of play up to that pantomime villain status and, and he was he was able to do that and um yeah if, if, if it if it annoys everyone um outside of the astros and so be it i think uh that there's nothing wrong with that yeah no that's great i, I love it I, I that that's perfect um okay so kind of starting to sort of wrap this up so you can actually go to bed uh oh, no, i've got i've got as long as you need you you you're far away i've got as long yeah as it's you only need. midnight there so so we're not even yeah not even it's, uh, yet. Um, the, the night is young <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, I'll be asleep in three hours, like for sure. Um, okay, so uh, in the same way that that there are people that <clears throat> maybe look at at you staying up, you know, all literally all hours of the night to watch mm-hmm. baseball, um, I kind of catch the other side in that I am very happy to set my alarm for five thirty in the morning so that I can have coffee ready and, uh, you know, breakfast sort of laid out uh, because the Premier League. Uh, it returns hmm. after what seems like a year-long break uh, for international friendlies and, and whatnot. Um, you are a Chelsea fan. I am uh-huh. a Leeds United fan. Uh, <clears throat> I totally understand that Frank Lampard, uh, the manager of, of Chelsea, uh, is, is an absolute hero. Um, before I get into why he's a piece of crap, um, the, uh, <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> the, uh, what what would it be like? I mean, Art Howe, you know, I mean, you know, I, I guess played for the Astros and then managed the Astros. Larry Durker played for the Astros and then yeah. managed the Astros. What would it? What, what's the Astros equivalent of Frank Lampard mm-hmm. being your favorite team's manager? Oh, wow. Um, honestly, I think you're looking at someone. You look really. You're looking at. Bagwell or Bijou becoming manager. I think it's 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 as much as that. Um, you're looking at someone who was a, was a legend and a superstar in the last. Well, the timeframes are slightly different, but but yeah, I mean within the last twenty years, and um, so a modern superstar who is iconic and represents everything to do with a, a hugely successful period for the club, much loved. Um, yeah, I mean as, as a Chelsea fan whilst he's certainly not exempt from criticism and he's definitely made a lot of mistakes in his very young managerial career i think um as as a chelsea fan it's 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 amazing to to see him there because we he, we do adore him as as a player um and and for what for what he achieved throughout our most successful ever period at the club he's um yeah we we are absolutely sort of dying to see him replicate that success as a manager and um He's he's got a team right now that uh, is, is is looking like it's got potential to to be very very dangerous in the next couple of years. I think that we're still a couple of pieces away from from being able to truly challenge for the title. I think Liverpool is still definitely the best team in the league, um, even without Virgil Van Dijk, um, who's out for a long term injury. But um, yeah, I mean, I, 
I think imagine 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 seeing the Astros led by Jeff Bagwell going into October. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that feeling if, if the Astros were were sort of crushing all all and sundry, and then Baggy's leading the team? You'd be, you'd be kind of just um, be, would you want to kind of explode with with this kind of energy? So um, yeah, it, it's, it's if if we get to that point with um with Lampard as 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 um as the Chelsea manager, it will be something like that. We're still a long way off, but uh, yeah, that's that's how it feels. I had I had kind of thought because I was I'd, I've been thinking about that for for a couple of days. Like, what would it, mm. you know? What would it? What's the Astros equivalent? And I thought Biggio or Bagwell, but I I don't know enough about you know Chelsea's history to to assume that it would be <clears throat> you know like a, a legend. Um, so I, I think it's the, t- the time frame as well. I mean, it's just it just kind of it, it makes it, it's quite a direct equivalent because if you had like a Chelsea legend from I don't know from the seventies or eighties, it would be a totally different vibe. It wouldn't be the same same sort of thing. So I think um. That's how that's how I'd kind of look at it. I, I don't. I think that that's how it would match up. If 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 it was an older um, Chelsea legend becoming coming a manager, then you'd probably be looking at an Astro from the seventies or eighties to, to, to sort of assume that mantle. So the the reason I'm not a huge Frank Lampard fan uh, is because prior to managing Chelsea, he was the manager at Derby County mm-hmm. uh, and Leeds United, and this is where there's way too much. Uh, there are way too many parallels between being an Astros fan and a Leeds United fan. And I've, I, I mean, I went to a, I guess it's the, it was a UEFA cup game, which is, I guess the equivalent of the champions league game. Maybe it's a Europa. <coughs> Europa, yeah, Europa, Europa league. league. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but I got to uh, my one opportunity to see Leeds in person uh, was with my dad uh, over spring break in college. And, and I got to see Leeds play Lazio Um and uh, it was a three-three game. Like I've never heard that many people say "wanker" before out loud. Uh, it was absolutely. It was an absolutely a lot. Like we had fish and chips under the statue of Billy Bremner, and and it was it was just sort of a, a really cool moment. Um, but but Leeds United had a had a fairly epic collapse, which you can see in the Take Us Home uh, series that's on Amazon Prime, and it and it came at the hands of Darby County. Uh, and it was a, an epic collapse on the level of, I would, I would think like the 2019 world series. Like it, it was something that it felt so inevitable that Leeds was going to make it back to the premier league. And then it just had in such a dramatic fashion after the game where Darby County won, uh, which they won at Leeds at Ellen road, mm. uh, Darby County completely trashed the visitor's clubhouse. Uh, someone took a, a literal crap on the floor uh, of the uh, of the locker room, um, but this also came on the heels of Leeds United having their own cheating scandal, in that they sent somebody with binoculars to watch Darby County's practice uh, mm. in a midseason game, and they got popped for it. And and and, and so, uh, I, I don't think Frank Lampard's a piece of crap, but but it's it's fun to have a villain. Uh, do you think Leeds stay up this year, or do you think they they run the risk of being le- uh, relegated? It's yeah, it's tough. I mean, I'm gonna have a quick while whilst we're talking about this, I'm gonna have a quick look at the table and have a quick look at the um uh, who's at the bottom just to see who else. I know Fulham Fulham are definitely going down. Uh, As uh, is their customer for them. Yeah, they they are absolutely going to be bouncing down in true yo-yo fashion. Um, who else is down at the moment? So you got Burnley. Yeah, Burnley. I think they'll probably go down as well. Um, West Brom yeah, and Sheffield yeah, United. I, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot Sheffield United are a terrible start to the season. So um, 
I feel like Sheffield United will will will, will pick things up. They were they were too solid last year for, to suddenly forget how to play football in the way that they <laughs> kind of have to start the season. I think Leeds will be right. I think Leeds will be right. I think there are. I think Leeds two 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 points. One, the way that Bielsa has you playing is um, very different from typical teams that that come up. So obviously you're looking to to have as much possession as possible. It's um, you're not just kind of defending all game long, trying to nick a goal and 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 win games in that fashion. You're happy to to sort of try and outscore teams, which isn't necessarily a recipe for for staying up in the Premier League. But I think it will work. Um, one because, of, like I said, his style of play is very is very unique and it's, it's very different, and also because I mean there are there are definitely worse teams in Leeds in the league this year. So I think I think you'd be all right. I think it's, it, it 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 depends on whether you have a sort of spring slump or not. If you, if you can keep if you can keep going after after because it's a, it's a pretty brutal fixture schedule, particularly this season. Obviously, with it having sort of been squashed together after the delays um, following the the way the last season was was kind of extended, obviously coming back after the the, the, the COVID break. Um, I think you'd be right. I think you'd be right. That's what I wanted to hear. Uh, last question. Thank you. Um, last question, Blur or Oasis? I'm a bit of a disgrace. I'm not really an expert on either, to be honest. If, if I had to pick one, I would go for Blur, not just because Damon Albarn is a Chelsea fan, but also... Um, oh, that's fair. Because I, I just... I just I slightly... Um, slightly prefer their material but yeah I mean, i'm not really an expert on either to be quite honest and i I, I feel like you are am I, am I right in saying you are you are a bit of a devotee oh, I'm of, straight. Of, uh, yeah i've i've been, so my my aunt i was born in england yeah um my aunt in the last few years moved to houston but would send me when i was in high school and college like she would send me cds all the time uh, and so 90s era Britpop, I, I have barely progressed beyond, beyond, like I still listen to Kula Shaker. I'm the only pulp person in America. Pulp as well or? Do what? Pulp as well. Oh, or, I love, um, freaking, yeah. freaking love pulp. Like Paul, I, I have a, <laughs> I have a separate pulp playlist. Uh, and so, yeah, no, I'm, I, like, I've, I've debated the merits of razor light for, for, for years. Uh, so it's, uh shameful really like i have not basically like i i got to i got to see and and i would answer the blur versus oasis question with ocean color scene oh, uh which wow. is one of my favorite bands of all time and i got to see them play live in hull on that trip uh where uh my dad and i got to go to ellen road so hmm. that was an all-time you know classic classic spring break trip right there are you looking to well once the whole hopefully the whole covid shadow is is eventually gone are you looking to to cross the pond once again i would i would i would absolutely love to <clears throat> and and so i tur- i turned 40 this year uh our plan was um you know my my daughter's old enough now uh that she would appreciate a trip but of course everything so we'd kind of had our eye on this summer is and i haven't been back since 2001 yeah so it's been almost 20 years since i've been it's back. Due it's due it's it's due so uh so yeah no in the next couple of years i definitely i want to take my wife and my my daughter but neither of whom have, have been able to go to england um and i oh, would man. i would get to go every couple of years just to see my grandparents and and my aunt and my uncle uh and cousins yeah. so no it's it and they're all over here now uh but but still it would be it'd be fun to go i'd love to go back oh man if you, if you do yeah make sure you know, make sure you're yeah, you hit me up when you're when you're over here because that would be that would be fantastic. I mean, I, likewise, I, I'm, I'm obviously 
on the other side of the of that uh kind of um that spectrum i'm i'm not you know i'm still waiting for my debut in houston 20 years down the line so i was hoping i originally was hoping to do it this year as well um and i was and i've kind of looked at next year as as a potential as a potential first trip but it's it's hard to predict i mean who who knows yeah. where we're going to be i mean i was looking at the um the the homestand at the back end of of may which looks like a really good one to do i think the red Sox are in town and there's a couple of like um uh, I can't remember who else is 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 is, is part of that homestand, but it, I'm just I'm I, I really don't know yet what the situation is going to be, and I'm slightly hesitant. I have to be honest. I'm slightly hesitant to just kind of um, shell out on it now, and uh, oh yeah, and hope for the best. I I really don't know when I when I should kind of um, make serious decisions on whether I am or not. But yeah, I, I, I I'm very well. Let's start again. I'm desperate to to get to to Houston and. and um, uh, and actually, sort of take it all in in the flesh because I've heard I've heard so many great stories from from UK Astros fans who have gone out there and and have just you know absolutely raved about the experience in Minute Maid Park and just how how welcoming Astros fans are in the ballpark and in Houston and um, yeah man I I I feel I feel like I would love to get to know Houston properly because I just I I, I kind of get these. These, these sort of tastes of it through everything I see online and, and everyone that I've met online. And um, I, I, just, I, I can't wait to, to kind of sample the reality of that. Yeah, no, I, I live a couple hours outside of Houston and I don't know when I'm going uh, back mm-hmm. to Houston. My parents live there. Uh, so I think holding holding off for, for a little while is probably the, the smartest mm-hmm. step, but absolute same thing. Like, let me know when you're, when you're in town and I will 100% Definitely. make that drive and, uh, spend a few days so we can hang out. But um, awesome. George, thank you so much. This is a, a ton of fun. Uh, we're not posting the video, but it's, uh, it's been a, a lot of fun to actually like see you and have this conversation. Um, if you don't Likewise. already, if you don't already follow at Astros fans, UK, uh, you are 100% doing Astros Twitter wrong. Uh, Cause he, <sighs> he keeps me updated more than more, more than like McTaggart does. <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah, George, have a wonderful rest of your, your night, uh, nice knowing man, that there's too. not a first pitch coming in an hour, uh, and, uh, enjoy some sleep. I will do. Thank you so much for having me on and, uh, yeah, look forward to, uh, to catching up soon. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, man.